0: Welcome to the How to Buy or Sell a Business Successfully podcast. Podcast. The concepts discussed in this podcast are for informational purposes only. No attorney-client relationship is intended or formed by this podcast. No legal advice is intended in the substance of this podcast. Feel free to check out our website, www.goformandlaw.com. Enjoy the show and welcome your hosts, Jake Wayman and Sam Foreman. Well, thank you all for joining us for another episode. We would like to help you buy or sell a business successfully. We're in the middle of a initial series of about 12 episodes providing folks an overview of how deals work and covering key concepts. We just talked about how to get the most value out of your deal budget and some practical tips to do that. And today we're going to talk about how to understand the buyer's priorities. One of the things we encourage folks to do is is really take time to put yourself in the shoes of The folks on the other side of the table from you, understand where they're coming at at things from, understand what they value and what they don't value. My name is Sam Foreman. I'm a business attorney here in Wichita, Kansas. I love working with folks who are buying or selling business. I have two wonderful children. I've been married for 10 years. And my favorite thing about Wichita, Kansas is... The people. And there's a lot of things to love here, but my favorite thing is really it's it's all about the people. Just wonderful people who really care about their community. My co-host is Jacob Wayman.
1: Yeah, I'm Jake Wayman. My wife and I are the owners of Orange Theory Fitness here in Wichita, and we have two boys. I've been married for a little over three years, and you know what? What is the one thing that I like about Wichita? I love I love the ability if I if you want to get involved, you can do it quickly, mm. and you can make an impact quickly in this community. That's what yeah. I love about Wichita.
0: No, that's terrific. That's that's great. Today we. Want to talk about understanding the buyer's priorities. We're going to talk about a couple of things here. We're going to talk about what kind of buyer you're dealing with and how that can influence their priorities. We want to talk about, you know, things they value, talk about things that create risk for a buyer and then talk about some practical tips mm-hmm. uh, here at the end. So, there's all different kinds of buyers, but but real, real broadly speaking, there's, I'd say, I, I break it up into three categories. There's the financial buyer. So a lot of times that's a private equity firm or somebody else who's who's buying it based solely on financial performance. And that's really how they're valuing the deal. That's how they're thinking mm-hmm. about it is, you know, what what is the money that this is going to make for me? You know, another, a different kind of buyer is a strategic buyer. And a strategic buyer, of course, could also be a private equity firm. It yep. could be, you know, any number of other things. But, you know, the strategic buyer is really thinking about how do I bolt this onto my business? How does this, you know, asset, this, you know, core competency, this set of relationships, how does this create even more value than just mm-hmm. the financial performance of this business? And then I think lastly is, is kind of the lifestyle buyer. Mm-hmm. Every now and then you, you find somebody who's there just, you know, they just want to have the business for yeah. whatever reason. It's more about the lifestyle it creates for yeah. them than it is necessarily even the financial performance, but, you know, even though that's of course still, still going to be important. Well,
1: and I think, I think for my wife and I, we started out as lifestyle buyers and mm-hmm. then we've kind of moved through being treated strategic to financial, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, but, you know, I think you can be all three at some point in time. I mean, because you as a lifestyle buyer, you want to be able to to purchase a business that, you know, you're going to, it's going to create financial wealth for you, mm-hmm. and you know you want to be strategic about it because if it's going, to, it needs to align with your strengths as a person, yeah, you know, and be able to run it. So I think you can play at all those, but I f- I would put my wife and I in the lifestyle when we first purchased Orange Theory. Yeah,
0: no, that's terrific. Next, I want to talk about some of the things that create value that that drive value in terms of, of buyers' priorities traditionally, and and one one key is we're thinking th- talking through all of these co- topics is, is remember, these are just generalities. Of course, it's really important to create that relationship with, you know, the buyer that you're doing the deal with Mm -hmm. and make sure that you understand what their unique, you know, what priorities are in the deal. Cause they're all going to vary, but, but these are, I think are some helpful starting place to, to create some context.
1: What well, I think going back to is that relationship and you know, there's that relationship between the buyer and seller mm-hmm. and you know, as a seller, you, you'll, you'll learn to know what their priorities are by having those conversations right. with them and, right. and be able to gain if, if it's this over that.
0: Yeah, no, excellent. Yeah. You know, one of the key things of course is financial performance. If the dollars don't make sense on the deal, the deal probably doesn't make sense mm-hmm. really for any of these buyers yeah. or or at least it may not and so making sure that that you understand you know if you're on the sell side yeah, what is it that's gonna drive the necessary financial performance so you can help, you know, make the deal or break yeah. the deal as quickly as possible.
1: Well, and something too as as from a buyer standpoint, or mm-hmm. even seller, like if you also start from the seller side, is you need to know what your industry multiples are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. in certain industries, you know, it could be typical that the companies sell for three to five X of EBITDA. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, and it's like yeah. you look at your own business and say, Hey, am I performing in that spectrum? Am I do is a is a buyer gonna want to pay the price that I want to put it out there for is it worth what i'm trying to sell it for
0: right right no that's 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 terrific yeah no and and make sure that you have a sense of what kind of if you're on the sell side what kind of buyer you're dealing with and what their purpose is yeah because that can change what those multiples might oh, look absolutely. like a hundred percent i that. think
1: i think it's, uh, you going back to mm-hmm. your first point it's understanding the kind of buyer that you're dealing mm-hmm. with is going to determine probably what the purchase price is going to be so right. maybe somebody may pay a Extremely high multiple on yeah. the higher end because it's a strategic buy for them. It's something right. they like the financial performance of it. So, yeah, yeah. it changes that changes at all.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Other things that drive value: customer relationships mm-hmm. and how transferable are those customer yep. relationships? You know, talk to me a little bit about what that was like for you and when you were on the buy side and how you looked at customer relationships.
1: Yeah, I mean, because like with with Orange Theory Fitness, we're membership based. I mean, that's what, how we make our money is is through our membership dues. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we needed to make sure that we were going to take care of our members, our customers, almost from I, I, from day one because it wasn't <laughs> like we had to go. We had to go acquire. I mean, we had to. Our new members, but there was the members that were there, our customers that were there, and those relationships needed to be delicate. They were delicate. We needed to handle them properly. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it was we wanted to show our members and our customers that this we care about the brand. We're going right. to take care of this brand. We're going to take care of you. Right. And and you know don't discount that because your current customers are are your only revenue source to start with. Yeah. I mean, and you got to take care of that.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's terrific. And, and really understanding how those customer relationships create value and how they're going to be continued. Yep. Depending on the deal structure, depending on the nature of the customer, you know, you could have some that are just, you know, completely at will, completely terminable anytime where the only thing that's going to protect you is a relationship. And you could have others where it's like, well, they're locked in, they can't walk away. And, you know, all they care about is that we're able to continue to do these, these yeah. three things. Um, I mean,
1: also on customers, also the employee relationships too. Yeah. are you going to be able to get along with and be able to manage the employees that are there? You know, and then the key stakeholders that that plays in because, I mean, that will drive a lot of the customer relationships too. If the employees aren't happy, then that can change a lot of different things.
0: Yeah, no. And that you know goes back to something we talked about a couple episodes ago in terms of due diligence and really Mm -hmm. making sure that you understand how the business creates value, how it creates the value that you're interested in on the buy side, and then how to capture that value in the deal process. No, that's, that's terrific. Same concept applies to supplier relationships. I mean, sometimes you're in an industry where you know, okay, if you don't, you know, retain the supplier relationship, you just go out and you plug in a new one, but Mm -hmm. understanding, you know, how does that supplier, how do those key supplier relationships fit in with creating the the value you're trying to capture and which ones you just got to retain and which are the ones where, you know, Hey, this, this may be a lower priority and, and we can just, you know, go out and, Instead of buying from Walmart, we'll buy from Target. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever that might be. I mean,
1: that's like we were very fortunate as our supplier relationships were like that, you know, was Mm -hmm. just going to get your supplies from Target, Amazon, whatever. But it wasn't like manufacturing where it's Mm -hmm. like very strategic on the supplier relationships that you have. Right.
0: No, absolutely. Understanding the importance of intellectual property, I think is another one for folks to be tracking with. It might be the value of the brand, which might be, you know, have a lot of continuity for it. It could be, you know, something as hard to pin down as, well, you know, we've got a key employee who really knows how to work this machine and this mm-hmm. machine, you know, prints gold when this employee's here and every other time it, it prints not gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so understanding what that is... You know, whether it's a process, whether it's, you know, registered IP, whether it's a brand or whether it's something like a trade secret or or otherwise, figuring out where that fits and then how to protect
1: that. Well, as a buyer, like a lot of this need should be coming up in the due diligence process Mm -hmm. so you can build your priority list when you're doing that due diligence.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Next, let's talk about risk. You know, here's some risks that can fit into a buyer's priorities and how they view the deal. One, and we're certainly very versed in this now, (laughs) given the current state of the economy, is market risk yeah you know just understanding you know what's where are things headed what's that trajectory some businesses do better in a recession oh wait we're not supposed to call it that some people some businesses do worse in a recession and some it's just it doesn't really matter you know they just kind of do great or they just kind of do whatever they're going to do independent of that but but understand how that fits in and understand where that things are going so that you can try to anticipate what that means for yep. value for the buyer on the deal whether you are the buyer or whether you're dealing with the buyer yep yeah. Another one is, you know, talking about known liabilities, you know, what was that process like for you when you were looking at, you know, whether it was known or unknown liabilities when you're looking at, you know, your purchase?
1: Yeah. I mean, and and that's where it comes into asking a lot of questions and uncovering things that are known liabilities. I mean, you know, we, what, what was, I mean, I covered ours. What I would say uh, would consider a liability is, you know, the contractual relationship on a lease, you mm-hmm. know, that's something that we had to inherit the process. Right. That's a liability that we, we had to go with, uh, you know, eyes wide open and say, this is what we're inheriting through that process. You know, what's, what's out there. And I think it's, you know, that's where having that good relationship between the buyer and the seller and being able to have those open and honest conversations, because, you know, the seller wants to make the sell, the buyer wants to make the buy, everybody Mm -hmm. wants to get it done. So why hide anything?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No. And I think that, I mean, that brings up a really good point you know when when folks are looking at deals, there's a tendency if they haven't done very many deals before to feel very protective of information yeah and and there's some information that's very important to protect and and to really you know mm-hmm. safely guard um but there's a lot of stuff where the mindset matters you're putting something together, yeah, and the best way to put it together is with great relationships. You know, typically, you know, great transparency is a critical thing. Once you've shared something, you can't unshare it. (laughs) So be careful with that, but make sure you've got a good team who's going to help you build that trust and understand what are the things that you need to be thinking about. But, but as a general rule, especially on the sell side, we tell folks, disclose, 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 disclose. You want to be able to point to an email that says, Hey, here's where I told you about this.
1: Yeah. Have somebody wonder why they didn't know. You can ask, ask ask questions and you know, the answer could be no, but at least Mm -hmm. ask the question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you need to know those answers cause you got to step into, you know, into the business and make it work for you. Yeah. You know, understand talent loss, you know, how many people are there because, you know, the, the current seller is there or the owner of the seller or key officers who might not stick around. And what is that going to mean to turn over on your team? And mm-hmm. how do you understand that? I yeah. think about integration problems, you know, uh, when you close the deal, you know, for some, for some folks, you gotta, you've got to integrate that deal into, for some buyers, they've got to integrate that deal into their broader operations. Yeah. And so, you know, how' how does that you know how does that play in for them? Yeah, um, if you're on a bunch of legacy software systems, for yeah. example, those gotta be converted. Well, over. I mean I
1: think we talked about this first, like the post like post sale. You mm-hmm. know, once the sale's done, it's not okay, yay, we're we're done, you know, yeah. and, and and we and we stop. I mean it's now the real work starts. <laughs> yes. And so and that's that integration is yeah all of that process. I mean for me we're a franchise so it was understanding all the franchise information, the Mm -hmm. technology, the tools, everything, the communication, what the franchise needs. But then it was also the integration of how do we integrate into this culture that already exists.
0: Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Understand contractual rights. Another mm-hmm. thing that can create risk is contractual rights it could also create value, but understand what those are and understand what third party rights are. You know, and third party rights can can take any number of different forms. It could be a termination right that they have on a contract. It could be that they own some critical piece of intellectual property that is necessary for the business to create value and, you know, it's not something with a long-term, you know, assignable license, for example. So, take time to understand this those understand put yourself in the shoes if you're on the sell side and the shoes of the buyer and understand how they're gonna view some of those things from a risk perspective. So so now that we've kind of talked about different kinds of buyers, value creators, and risk creators, let's talk about some practical tips to 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 help folks through the deal process. You know, I think I think a key one is is, and I know we talk about relationships a lot on this, but deals are relationships, is take the time to build a relationship early. You know, more trust, more transparency typically leads to better results. Be clear about your interests and priorities. I mean, to the point you just made a few minutes ago, we're not trying to hide anything mm-hmm. here. Get everything that you think is important on the table early so that if there's not a deal there, you save everybody's time and money. Or if it's because most things can be worked around. Almost all things, there's a solution for it. Might not be a solution that people really want to take, which could kill the deal. But if it's out there in the open early, it gives people more time under less pressure to create more workable solutions to address it. Be clear about your interests and priorities and ask for the same from the other party. I mean... You know, that kind of goes hand in hand with the transparency, but, you know, just be clear about what you want. Hey, this is important to me. This is what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, always be thinking if you're putting yourself at a strategic disadvantage when you do that, but if you're working with somebody that you trust on the other side of the table and you're doing a good deal, you know, telling people what you want, what you value is, is important. And, you know, even if you think there's some disadvantage to disclosing that information, usually people know anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you're not hiding something from them that they don't know. you are just making it more difficult sometimes to get where you want to go. So, you know, think about the buyer as a customer. <laughs> if you're the seller, think about the buyer as a customer because yep. they are. You're just yep. selling one product. It's your business. Yep. <laughs> you know, a happy buyer, happy wire. Get key risks on the table quickly and then and build a lot of trust in the process. Build, build trust in how you handle things. Mm-hmm. So
1: a- any other tips to add to that, Jake? No, I think it kind of goes back to regardless of the kind of buyer that you are, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you need to take in consideration. If you're a lifestyle buyer, don't just think, oh man, I really really want this business, so I'm just gonna, you know, mm-hmm. take it at face value and do these different things. No, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of you have a lot of priorities you need to keep in mind between doing that because there's a lot of risk that you're putting into that. Mm-hmm. So just because it looks like a great business on the outside doesn't mean you can make it a great business on the inside.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's good, that's good. Well, well, thank you, folks, for joining us today as we talk about understanding the the buyer's priorities, in particular as it relates to value you and risk and then some practical tips. Jacob, what's your, what's your number one thought for folks to take away from today?
1: I thought that was my thought earlier about the whole, that was my thought. That is your thought. That (laughs) was my
0: thought. Go back 10 seconds. That's my thought. (laughs) There you go. No, that's terrific. That's terrific. I think my number one thought to tack onto that is, is, you know, happy buyer, happy wire. If you're on the sell side, Um, Make sure you take time to understand what it is that your buyer wants and then go, go figure out how to deliver it as excellently as you can in the process, you know, just like you would for any other customer. And if you're the buyer, be a collaborative partner in that process. Help the seller understand what it is that you want because you're creating mutual value in the process. Yeah. I think one of my wellness tips for doing deals, particularly as it relates to all of this is, you know, build trust. You know, when you're building trust with folks in the process and those really great relationships... That can help folks really have a much better experience, a much better outcome. It really lowers the stress on deals because you're not constantly thinking about, you know, what do I not know? What do I not understand? How is this person trying to take advantage of me? You know, it just creates a much better, much better process for people. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us today, folks. We appreciate your time. Hope this is something that you're enjoying as much as we are. Please join us next time as we address the question of what are the seller's priorities? Thank you for joining us today. For future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please check out our website at Learning.